This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today we examine the Biden administration's Build Back Better Act, $100 billion of which is sought to be allocated to immigration reform. Please note that this act has already passed the House, but at the time of this recording on December 10th, 2021, has not yet passed the Senate, which means it is not yet officially law. But to help me through the political ins and outs, we have Erickson Immigration Group's Legal and Government Affairs Manager, Niels Kanali. Thank you, Yen. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. For you, this is quite an undertaking. There's a, a, a lot of back and forth. We're on our, our third try here. So the, the House has now passed the Build Back Better Act, but Senate may or may not pass through the reconciliation process. So to, to kick this off, where do we stand in this process? Uh, what must be proven or affirmed in order for the bill to continue? Do we have any indication of what the Senate will do next? Yes, Ian. As you said, the bill was passed by the House. It's in the Senate now. The Senate is trying to use what we call a reconciliation process to pass this bill. Reconciliation process allows the Senate to pass a bill with a simple majority, so 51. The biggest requirement here, also referred to as the bird rule, the provisions within the bill um, should have some impact on the budget. This should be a direct impact on the budget, not an incidental one. So the Senate parliamentarian makes this determination, right? Senate parliamentarian decide whether the bill has some budget implications or some of the provisions in the, in the bill are extraneous to the budget. If the Senate parliamentarian makes an adverse decision, meaning that the bill and some of the provisions do not meet the requirement, the bird requirement, then the Senate can choose to overcome the Senate parliamentarian's decision. And this is very unlikely. But um, hopefully the Senate parliamentarian gives a favorable decision, then the, the Senate should be able to vote on this bill. As it has happened in the past, the, the parliamentarian may recommend that certain provisions be removed because they don't, they don't relate to the budget, they don't meet that threshold requirement. So either way, it's, as you said, it's big news, but you know that's kind of like the outcome of, of this process. They're looking for it to pass by Christmas of this year. So I guess we still have our fingers crossed for that date, correct? Yes. Ne yeah, negotiations are still ongoing. The Senate majority leader is very firm about that timeline. So we'll see how, how this plays out. So we are really expecting to hear from the Senate parliamentarian anytime now. Got it. Got it. All right, so in the case that this does pass the Senate parliamentarian, we thought it would be helpful for clients and eligible uh, immigrants to uh, look at the provisions that will come up next, right? Uh, what will actually affect the immigration reform and how they can prepare for it? So let's go through the provisions that's in this immigration reform. First, that's most important is BBB would provide parole and work permits for long-term residents. This will authorize the Department of Homeland Security to temporarily provide a legal status known as parole to any non-citizen in the United States, including both illegal immigrants and legal temporary workers and their families. So what would make an eligible candidate? 
Yes, thank you, Ian. As you said, parole will provide travel, work authorization, but it's important to remind our listeners that parole is not an immigration status per se, right? Parole is somewhat merely authorization to remain in the U.S. By nature, it's temporary, right? So the expectation is that a person will remain in the U.S., um, have legal presence, and then they will depart at some point. Uh, but parole, most importantly, provide protection from deportation. So you don't have to worry about removal. So let's talk about the eligibility criteria, right? So to qualify, number one, an applicant should show that they arrived in the U.S. before January 1st, 2011. And number two, they need to show that they've resided in the U.S. continuously since then. So they arrive preferably December 30th, 2010, and then they've resided in the U.S. continuously since then. What is continuous residence? Usually, any absence of a couple of months from the U.S. Uh, does not break continuous residence. Uh, especially for non-immigrants. That's number three, continuous residence. Then number four, um, they have to pass the background and security checks. And, and also something to note here is that the application does not allow dependents. So each family member will have to apply separately individually. Parole, the provision itself will expire on September 30th of 2021. Um, so the initial parole authorization will have a five-year validity, and then the maximum validity, validity period will be until uh, September 30th, 2031. Those are the qualification eligibility requirements. Got it. Got it. Um, so this will overall improve the status of paroles and giving more benefits and making it an easier transition. It's not a, a green card or anything like that. It's still temporary, but it just eased the application process and the benefits, correct? Yes, it does not provide any path to uh, permanent residence or citizenship, but again, provide that protection from deportation, uh, which is very, very important. It's estimated that this provision should benefit about six to seven million unauthorized or undocumented immigrants. Wow, okay. So this is very significant. Got it. Also, um, this provision should come into effect 180 days from the date is signed into law. So assuming that this is signed into law January 1st of 2022, um, USCIS, Department of Homeland Security, should start accepting these applications by July 1st, 2022. Um, and then one thing to note here also is that this application uh, will have an administrative fee. Got it, understood. So for the next junction is ending family and employment green card waste, which I find to be quite interesting. So BBB would prevent green cards from being wasted in the future. Explain to me how this would work. Yes, as a background, under the current law, there is a set of specific number of immigrant visas that the government is authorized to issue in each fiscal year, right? So 
if for one reason or another, the government is not able to issue all those visas in a given year, some of those remaining visas are carried into the following year. And if the government is still unable to issue those visas, those visas are lost, can be used anymore, right? So what this provision does, basically asking the, the, the government to first determine how many visas have gone unused or lost from 1992 to 2021, and essentially allowing also the government to issue those visas in the future, starting in fiscal year 2022. So obviously, and of course, we should see an increase in the number of available visas, uh, because those lost visas will be added to the current number of visas that are available and in the future numbers. Mm -hmm. So this effectively allows applicants who are waiting in the backlog to capture the unused green cards that were issued in previous years, correct? Yeah, they can claim visas. So what, what we expect is for more visas to be available for applicants to start claiming those, those, those visas. Right, and that's through the recapture process. And that leads to the next provision, which is the diversity visa lottery recapture, which essentially is the same mechanism as the family-based and employment-based recapture. So BBB would authorize additional green cards for diversity visa lottery winners who failed to receive a green card during 2017 through 2021. Could you explain who would qualify under this category? Yes. So as you said, this applies to diversity visa applicants. Those who were selected in the lottery um, from 2017 to 2021, and they were not able to either enter into the U.S. because of the travel restrictions or um, get a visa appointment or go to a visa interview because most embassies were closed. Um, so those visa applicants are now allowed to go and reapply for the visa. So a visa will not be taken away from them. If they've applied and then the application did not was not processed because of travel restriction, embassy closures, and all of that, they're now able to go ahead and file those visa applications. Got it. So through previous travel ban orders or those who are unable to uh, receive a, a visa interview despite submitting a visa application because of COVID-related delays. That, that is one of the key markers for those who qualify for this. Now, next is the early filing of an adjustment of status application. This reform would allow immigrants to file adjustment of status green card prior to a green card being available for them under the green card limit. BBB would require the administration to accept early filed applications for approved beneficiaries of family or employment-based petitions. So what benefits come from filing early and is there any additional fees associated with this provision? Yes, Ian. So we talked about the number of visas that the government is, is authorized to issue fiscal year, right? So those numbers are really the limit. The number of visas that the government issues in, in a given year cannot exceed 
um, those numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And and this creates backlogs and the process right now for a visa applicant with an approved employment-based or family-based petition to wait until the visa becomes available or the priority date to become current and then um, file the, the green card application, the adjustment of status application, right? So you have your approved I-140, uh, the employment-based um, petition, or approved I-130, the family-based petition, and then it has a priority date. So you have to wait until that priority date becomes current and then you file your application for adjustment of status, right? So that's the process right now. And so so what this bill does is to essentially allow a visa applicant, immigrant visa applicant, to go ahead and file adjustment of status application before the priority date becomes current. So you don't have to wait for your priority date to become current to file your adjustment of status application. But most importantly, there is a, an additional fee of $1,500 that you have to pay for USCIS to accept uh, your, your application. USCIS does not have to adjudicate or decide on your application right away when you apply. So they will accept the filing, the, the, the application, and then they will adjudicate it or decide when your visa number becomes available, when your priority date becomes current. So what's the benefit, right? Benefit is that when you file your adjustment of status application, you can apply for work authorization and travel authorization, right? That work authorization is not, especially for people in the um, employment-based category, the work authorization that that you get from your adjustment of status application is not tied to any employer. So meaning that you don't have to work or be tied to a single employer while you are waiting for your green card or your adjustment of status application to be adjudicated. Um, So that's one benefit. The other one is that you get travel authorization. But it's important to note here that USCIS does not have to adjudicate right away. Your uh, application will be adjudicated when your priority date becomes current. Right. You were mentioning before that there's some exemptions from the numerical limitations. Yes. So there is a subsection here which provides for exemption. So essentially you have to wait as a, as a visa applicant for uh, your priority date to become current. And as I said, with the adjustment of status application, you can file your adjustment of status application using paying the extra fee, but your application will not be adjudicated until your priority date becomes available. The provision here allows a visa applicant to have his um, application, as adjustment of status application file and adjudicated immediately, um, regardless of priority date. So regardless of, of priority date, you don't have to wait for priority date to become current. Uh, you file your application in USCIS will process and adjudicate it immediately. But the requirement here is that your, you should show, number one, you should show that your priority date was issued two years prior to the application date. So if you're filing for your adjustment of status application or and applying for exemption today, December 10, 2021, you should show that the priority date that you have was issued two years from the application date. Once you establish that, 
The second requirement is for you to pay an additional fee. The fee for people in the family-based category is 2500 and the fee for people in the employment-based category is 5000 um, and the fee for people in the EB-5 investor visa category is $50,000. So those are the um, eligibility criteria. And while we're talking about fees, it's estimated that the new provisions altogether will raise nearly $3 billion. So uh, that's quite a number that's quite a mark. So where do you recommend applicants to go to find the new fees associated with this category? I know not everything is set in stone right now, but if they're looking at their category and seeing what sort of fees are associated with it, uh, where should they go? Uh, we'll see this, uh, and thank you uh, for, for mentioning that, Ian. So yeah, this bill increases filing fees. The language of the bill itself tells USCIS how they should increase these fees, right? The regulations will have details on the new fees, but based on the language of the bill, and I'll give you a few examples here. So first one for an I-130, a petition for people in the family-based category, the fee, which is currently 535, will increase uh, by $100. So the new fee will be 635, right? So that's for the I-130 petition. For the I-140 petition, there'll be an additional fee added of um, $800. So the current fee is $700. Um, there'll be an additional $800. And then, so the new fee should be $1,500. Right, right. But this is something that you will work with your immigration attorney and they will provide you all right. that information once everything is set in stone. So we're still in the speculation phase because this has not been passed, but it's something to keep your mind to and keep on your radar. Uh, but yeah, those are the major provisions. And I thank you. Uh, Nils, for walking us through this. I, I know it's a lot of complications when you're dealing with Capitol Hill and first go around, it was denied. The second go around, it was denied. And now we're at our third try. So it's uh, something that hopefully before the new year, we can have a pass, but I'm sure that we will have a, an update either way. Uh, wherever the Senate parliamentary uh, decides. But I, I appreciate you walking us through this. Is there any last thoughts on either the Senate parliamentary or the Build Back Better Act, how we should prepare? Yeah, uh, a last thing to note, Ian, is that there will be an additional funding to USCIS. So the bill provide $2.8 billion uh, or, or make the funding available to you, makes the funding available to USCIS. So this should help with the backlogs and this should help USCIS uh, process cases faster and more efficiently. Of course, there's a lot of hope here. So many people are stuck in the backlog. So um, hopefully once USCIS get the additional resources, you know, cases will, will move faster for so many people. Yeah. All right, Nils. Well, thank you for the insight. Hopefully Santa Claus will bring us a Build Back Better Act in time for the holidays and we can get this behind us and we can start moving forward. We will definitely update the listeners once this is passed or if there's any other provisions that come about. But Nils, I appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you so much, Ian. Appreciate it. 
Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.